there. You're listening to the Steve Fun Speak On It podcast. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by our hosts and guest panelists are their own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the Steve Fund. Before we begin our conversation, it is important to note that the information shared on this podcast cannot and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with a health or mental health care professional. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to a health or mental health provider or the Steve Fund Crisis Text Line, which you can access by texting STEVE to 741-741. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to Speak On It, Season 2, Secrets of Well-Being. In today's episode, we will be discussing emotional well-being and self-care. Joining us today will be Gisela Ortega. Gisela is a current Master's of Biomedical Sciences student at the University of Incarnate World, San Antonio. She is interested in addressing the healthcare needs of Black and Brown patients in her community, and her passions lie in activism and promoting racial equity in all walks of life. Gisela, welcome. Hi, y'all. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and I guess to start us off, let's do our favorite check-in, uh, Rosebud Thorn. As a reminder, a rose is something good that has happened this week. A bud is something you're hopeful for. And a thorn is just an irritant. Rosebud is thorn. A rose is something beautiful. A thorn is a pain. And a bud is something you're looking forward to. So I think for me, a rose for this week would be that I am done with my summer semester um, with my master's program. I took um, a couple more hours than I anticipated. Um, Please don't comment, Isela. And I'm just done. And so really excited to get like about two to three weeks of a summer break before jumping into the fall. So hoping my vacation time is uh, really lax. Um, In terms of a thorn, I think with all this rain that's been happening, it's been very difficult to coordinate trips and, you know, like social interactions with like friends, of course, social distancing and all. Um, So it's just kind of waiting till the weather is clear. (laughs) And then finally, a bud is, I've been gardening a lot and apparently my plants um, have noticed that it is summer and so they're starting to grow a lot so I'm really excited to potentially start propagating and making more baby plants and kind of overloading my parents with just a bunch of like green plant grandchildren all over the home. I think a thorn is, is probably my yoga teacher training ending and I'm going to really miss all those people a lot but we're, we're figuring out ways to stay in touch so like maybe yoga classes like monthly yoga classes over Zoom together, or even like pen pals. Somebody came up with that idea, and that's like a real throwback. But I'm excited to do that again because I haven't done pen pals in a really long time. Um, so I guess that could be the rose, just like coming up with ways we're going to stay in touch. And then the bud would probably be um, going to school next week. I'm moving into my dorm, and I'm just really excited for, I guess, my first real like in person experience with classes and everything. So that's my bud. Uh, for me, my thorn this week is probably the fact that I have a lot of packing left to do. I thought I had a lot more time, but I move in like two days in the morning. I have to leave at seven or six in the morning to get to my place on time. So there's going to be a lot of packing today and tomorrow. Um, My rose, something good that has happened this week would be the fact that I've spent a lot more time with my 
good friend over the summer or like this past week. Uh, we just haven't been able to hang out much during summer. Not sure why. I think we're just busy, but it's been really cool to hang out to hang out with him. Um, and then a bud, something I'm looking forward to. I mean, I think I could say moving in for college and getting to start that, but <laughs> meeting new people is always kind of fun. I think my thorn this week is um, work. I mean, I love my job. I love the people there at my hospital, um, but uh, I just keep getting scheduled for too many hours. I don't know the schedule and I might have to leave because of that. So um, it just sucks that because of that one thing, I might have to leave the stuff I like. Um, I think my rose is, um, probably uh this monstera that I just got that I showed Jay a little bit earlier that I got for only $17 at H-E-B and it's full grown and it's huge and normally they run for like 50 or 60 so I'm really excited um and I think my bud is that I start my master's program tomorrow that I've been trying to get into for a while and orientation was amazing I met so many great people the professors seem totally awesome um so I'm super excited for tomorrow and actually excited to really learn. So it's going to be fun. According to the National Wellness Institute and National Center for Emotional Wellness, emotional wellness, or as we're calling it, well-being, can be summarized as how one recognizes their own awareness, understanding, and acceptance of emotions and their ability to manage efficiently through challenges and change. Kaylin, what are your initial thoughts when presented with this concept? Uh, to me, emotional well-being kind of just, I think of it as including the, you know, the ability to be in tune with your emotions, feelings, moods, and everything, um, just to interact with those in a positive manner throughout your day or your life. Uh, for instance, like if you have a good um, emotional health or wellness, you're able to sort of take the challenges that life throws you and just work with, cope with your emotions in a positive way that won't like inhibit anything bad yeah I really agree like I think for me I know it can be a little childish at times to like kind of parallel these but like whenever we start talking about emotional well-being I instantly thought of like inside out and how they kind of like broke it apart into your emotions and like uh into those little figurines and for me um I think like emotional well-being is really being able to kind of address which of your emotions are driving at that point in time and either uh, deciding what to do with those feelings. Like if it's an appropriate time to express those emotions and you have support to, and validation to do so, um, yay. And if not, maybe finding a way to kind of redistribute that energy somewhere else um, so that you don't get caught up in um, ruining productivity or whatever it is you're going about your day with. Yeah, I totally agree with the two definitions um, put forth already. I think emotional wellness is being able to sit with your emotions and not sweeping them under the rug, but being able to like confront them. And I think only then can you like move forward in a positive way because they're definitely there for a reason and they're an indication that something's going on that matters to you. And I think emotions show that you care. Like when you're not emotional about something, when you're relatively unaffected, it's because I guess something of little consequence to you has happened. But when emotions come up for you, when something brings those up, I think it means something significant is happening in your life. And I think being able to be present to that can make you a more powerful and emotionally well person. 
Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Like it really requires a lot of introspection just to figure out what exactly you're feeling, why you're feeling the way you are, like what exactly you're reacting to. That way you can implement positive change in your life based on those emotions and what caused those emotions. What are y'all's experiences or experiences that you've heard or seen uh, when dealing with emotional management and emotional well-being? I guess for me growing up, showing any signs of weakness with like tears or just having a sad face on, you would kind of be, I would, we would kind of be pulled away from our parents, like pulled to the side and say like, you know, just get it together. We're almost through, just put on a happy face and go back out there. People can tell when you're sad. And it's just always, just showing emotions in general has always taken some sort of negative connotation in my family and over the years it's been a little difficult to sort of work and change my mindset to think um to kind of fix the idea that it's okay to show your emotions I'm not sure just in my family just any sadness tears frustration or anger it's just a big (laughs) no-no you always have to be happy focused and just to the point with what you want and what you do. There's not really much leeway. I can kind of speak on this just because I was a, I was the kind of teenager that bottled everything up and then eventually I would just explode. Um, And I know Latinas are very often stereotyped as like fiery or sassy, like this fiery Latina um, is a trope that's often portrayed. Um, And in my opinion, brown women in general um similar to black women but not nearly to the same extent are usually seen as overly emotional and overly angry um and i would contrast the fiery latina trope to the mad black woman trope in that while the stereotype against black women is used by white people and other poc to villainize them i think the fiery latina trope is used as a way to infantilize infantilize um Like we're just pretty little loud things that can't control our own emotions. Um, And not only does it invalidate what are probably logical reactions, but it's also a way society fetishizes us uh, in addition. And what's sad is I see a lot of young Latina girls kind of playing into it as well. like saying, yeah, I'm I'm just a crazy Latina, you know what I mean? Um, And I think it's because our own heavily patriarchal culture has taught us to an extent that if we don't react in an extreme way, then we won't be able to elicit a reaction or change the negative circumstances that caused said emotion. Uh, And it's something I've had to unlearn, you know, as someone with um, ADHD and rejection sensitive dysphoria, who's super sensitive to the smallest things. uh, Once I got fed up with something, I would feel that if I didn't yell or insult or give someone the silent treatment, then I wouldn't be heard. Um, so I had to really learn to take the time to interpret my own emotions, um, and that became a necessary step for me so I could analyze them and communicate effectively. Um, again, just just a lot of introspection to be like, hey girl, what's really going on? And it's actually super cathartic. Yeah, I think, um, there are probably many instances when people of color feel like they need to tone down their emotions or hold back in some way, and I think we talked about this before, like, like there's um I guess it doesn't seem like that big of a deal in some ways but then it gets to the point where it 
sometimes it's a matter of life or death. Like for example, getting like pulled over by the police and like not being able to act scared or or talk back. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if we can keep this in, but my mom recently just told me today, like when we were at brunch, she was like sharing with her close friends how my brother got brought home by the police like six months ago because he decided to like tell him off. And he was like walking home through the parking lot of New Rochelle High School um, from his friend's house. And the police, I guess the officer like stopped him and he was like kind of telling him like, you have no right to stop me right now. Like I'm doing nothing wrong. And he wasn't doing anything wrong. But we later realized like maybe when people walk through there at night, maybe they are up to no good and they might take something. But Philip had no intention of doing that. And I think sometimes there's a difference between knowing your rights and being able to express yourself in the moment. But sometimes you have to like not. And that can be, that can take a toll on your mental health. If you don't have an outlet for that, if you always have to hold things in, you will explode eventually or just feel um, a little bit more repressed. To kind of like uh, piggyback on what Kaylin was saying about the toxic masculinity, boys don't cry thing. Like, I just want to like um, highlight that. And like, yes, like I grew up in a family where it's like we learn not to burden others with our emotions uh, and kind of become like a issue for the community. Like, you just bottled in everything that you wanted to express. So, like, your anger, your like sadness, being upset, and then you just go home in your room quietly with no one else present. Um, and just vent it out, or you just repress it until some catalyst makes you explode. Um, and then people think uh, that there's something wrong with you when in fact there's a reason why you're exploding um, and having that reaction. As an Asian American growing up, I would often be stereotyped as being the quiet, innocent girl where I wouldn't be allowed to really say much of anything. And I always grew up, I grew up really shy, but now I'm able to like speak and like say whatever I wanna say. But I was on this team and these girls were sort of just saying like, oh my gosh, you're so quiet. You're kind of like Hello Kitty. And I was like, is that just because of, I, I was just like shocked. I was like, is it because she like, they were just saying how like, oh, she doesn't talk and like you're Asian and she's like Asian, I'm like, I guess. And I just didn't say anything. I would have like stood up if I knew that I could have, but I just felt pressured to not say anything because I just thought it was right. It's just so unhealthy to not be able to express your emotions because your life is at risk. But when your voice is silenced like that, like it makes you feel so small. And that just further adds to the negative emotion or like the anger you feel. Emotions are part of that, are part of being human. And if you're conditioned to suppress them or not express them, or if you feel like it would be not right to feel what you're feeling, it's almost like you're being conditioned to act or perform as less than human. And I think it also leads to like belittling and also um, downplaying like your emotions. So like, for example, like for like the fire, uh, fiery Latino or the angry black woman like trope and like perspective, it's like, if you do like play into it and you do express your emotions, like the stereotype is reinforced for those people. And they're like, oh yeah, like it's a very common thing. Like, I don't know why I need to change my perspective on this when like you're a clear candidate and person that's like expressing it. Um, and I think like that in itself kind of brings in a conversation of like one individual just because they're expressing their emotions does not indicate that they're a representation for that whole community for everything like there's again like it goes back to like there's a reason why I am yelling at you there's a reason why I'm like upset with you and by you like 
pulling up this trope or the stereotype, it kind of diminishes like the feelings and emotions and the concerns at that point in time. Yes, but people have a right to ask for you to share your emotions in a more sensitive way or like to not yell at them. I feel like people definitely have a right to be like, could you please not yell? Could you please say it in a normal tone? Like being able to analyze your emotions um, is such an important part of emotional well-being because feeling anger and then immediately reacting with like yelling is is not a healthy coping mechanism. Um, like anger is is valid, but if you can't communicate your anger in a, an effective way, in a way that's not harmful to others or your loved ones, then you know that's not necessarily emotional well-being. And I think it indicates, you know, a an issue of not being able to read your own emotions or process them. And you know, I think that's a further coping issue. There are two extremes. Like one is like not expressing it at all being super quiet about it and the other is just like kind of blowing up about it being super loud and I think they both of them take you off your center like you're maybe would be healthier somewhere in the middle where you can like express it and then you can move on from it I think for me because I've struggled or I feel I've struggled with both extremes of the spectrum of you know either blowing up um immediately after or bottling everything up um I feel like the best indication of what the right choice was for me was how I feel the next day or later on after my emotions have had time to kind of settle. Um, mainly because if I feel like I didn't react the correct way, if I feel like I didn't speak up for myself properly, or if I feel like I might've crossed the line, then I'll still feel terrible the next day. Like I'll, it'll still nag at me. And so um, time is really like the best thing for me just to see if I processed my emotions well. Um, and usually the next day I'll go to that person and just be like, hey, that really wasn't cool. I know I didn't react at the time, but I just wanna let you know um, how I feel or I'll, I'll go back and apologize, you know, whatever, which it kind of seems like I'm being more reactive than anything. But I mean, for me, that's what's worked out the best when it comes to communicating, you know, my emotions. So we've kind of like talked a bit, uh, like ranging from a lot of topics at the moment, you know, like from bodily emotions, toxic masculinity, police brutality, angry black women, um, like the quiet Asian girl, the fire Latina, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so like, I guess it kind of goes into our next segment of like specifically discussing like how do these uh, tropes or how do these like ideas or concepts affect mental health of like BIPOC people um, and especially, like, how do they process it, and how do they, uh, like, how does it affect them also, like, beyond mental health, I guess? I feel like it affects people's mental health at the very beginning. Uh, I just think that when you're young and you're told that you're supposed to act this way, you sort of grow, you sort of grow up only knowing that's the only way to act. So for me, you know, as a little girl, I was told just, you know, be quiet, just do whatever you're told to do, be obedient, do whatever. And I sort of just grew up being a really shy girl all the way up until like middle school. And I feel like that affected my mental health because I would have to tolerate a bunch of, a whole range of disrespect that just wasn't okay. And I think that's just the main reason, just knowing 
just being told to act a certain way growing up and that's the only way you know how to act it just doesn't do you any good you, you want to have like what's it called different perspectives or more freedom to act how you want or be who you want to be without being told what you can and can't do I agree I think um like unlearning a lot of internalized biases about your own uh culture or ethnicity is it's just a really annoying struggle to have to go through as a young person um because especially for me like I just to this day struggle with knowing whether or not my reactions or emotions to something are actually valid like to the point where like I'm gaslighting on myself of, that wasn't really a big deal or you're overreacting um and it's um it's uncool because then I kind of get dismissive of my own emotions the way you know the world around me tends to do um and one way I've seen um to kind of help myself with it is just reaching out to friends and being like am I wrong for feeling this way is this was this out of line am I am I crazy for being upset and um you know just having a community of people who actually care about my well-being who are able to judge like no that was messed up you're right to be upset um just because being told by society that um you're overreacting you know can actually make you think like oh I'm overreacting like you believe them so I think it's a process to unlearn it and I think it's a bit of a chain effect. One thing that I've observed is like people who feel like they have permission to express or share their feelings tend to be able to hold that same space for others. Whereas when people don't have an outlet or they don't have like a listening ear, like they tend to not be able to receive things from other people. They don't know how to react. Like I think um, there's a chain effect there and, and it doesn't always have to come from, I guess here's an, a disclaimer. It doesn't always have to come from someone else. Like you can't, I guess it's not a good excuse to be like, I don't have anyone to listen to me right now. Therefore I'm going to, also choose to ignore other people when they try to share with me like I feel like you can journal or meditate or cultivate that space inside of yourself um not that that's all you need because we all need other people friends and family but there are ways that we can show up for ourselves and like be there for ourselves when we most need it and that will help us I guess like yeah being a, a better friend to others too when they need it 100 percent, and I think like it's really important to be also conscientious of um like others like emotional capacities in that moment because I know that you know like we may be in distress we may in crises but like so too may your friends or the people that you're reaching out to so I don't think it hurts at times to be like hey Danny like you know like I'm going through something right now like do you have the capacity right now to like listen to this because otherwise sometimes it can seem a bit more burden for that other person to have to deal with their own current issues and crises along with what you're presenting to them and for me, I don't think it necessarily means that you have a bad friendship when someone is setting those boundaries. Like, I, I love you. I want to be able to help. But right now, like, I'm in a place where, like, I really can't deal with, like, another person's, like, emotions or, like, something right now because I'm processing. Um, and I think it speaks volumes to be like, okay, I respect that. I respect your boundaries. Um, and, like, kind of navigating in that fashion. Yeah, I think it's good to ask if someone has the emotional availability to listen to what you have to say. I think that just setting boundaries in general with people is a great way to sort of have a healthy relationship with them. And I think I, I read this somewhere, but it said that setting boundaries 
is a way to keep that person in your life rather than cutting them off completely. I think it's also really important to highlight like physiological impacts of like emotions um, and that, you know, like bottling them or being too stressed out and not being able to process um, can also lead to like increased like cortisol or cortisone, which um, for those that aren't aware are like stress hormones and a result of which can impact, you know, like your heart health, uh, can increase uh, incidences of like obesity, can also affect your sleep and other like factors. Um, so I think it's like very important to consider that like, you know, everything is a network, everything is a web. Um, so like if you're not well in one dimension, it can also impact another dimension. I'm glad you brought up cortisol levels because I read um, an article that increased cortisol levels actually increase your body's tendency to create visceral fat. Um, and visceral fat compared to subcutaneous fat is actually so much worse for your body. Um, it causes so many comorbidities. Um, and while it's easier to lose, uh, it's still more dangerous. And I know in my community specifically, like diabetes and um, hypertension and cardiac disease uh, are things that are super common. And it's probably not a coincidence that, um, you know, the immigrant community is under a huge amount of stress. Uh, not allowed to rest often because a lot of people are paycheck to paycheck um, or not protected um, by the rights that documented people are protected by. Um, and I think that, you know, just stress in general can lead to so many health problems um, that it's just, it's so interesting to see, you know, the connections that your social um, group or SES um, the connections that you can make with that and your health outcomes. Um, with all of these considerations in mind, what are ways in which we can cope and employ self-care? Back when I first started undergrad, I think self-care was kind of like a newer term, like nobody was um, really using it all that often. And I think nowadays there's this perception in the media and on TV and on socials that self-care is you know, something that's luxurious, like spa days, etc. Um, and I think it can be, but I feel that it's important to point out that it doesn't have to be so consumerist based. Um, so I think my definition is that it's, it's things we can do that not necessarily make ourselves feel better, but things that are better for us as a whole, um, you know, like actions that benefit our well-being in a way that goes past basic needs to live, but aren't necessarily expensive indulgences you know, things that make us feel happier, but not in a fleeting way, um, you know, like lasting happiness and fulfillment. I sort of think of it as getting rid of the, I guess, quote unquote, emotionally heavy foods off your plate, even if it's like a small task, like going to the DMV to renew your license or something like that. It would be a self-care action to take care of whatever busy tasks that you don't want to do the idea of self-care was created to combat like the ideas of laziness or um, selfishness because maybe self-care or self-care task isn't really like traditionally productive. But I think it's like remembering that like your emotional well-being isn't really a, a commodity. Like you just need something you always just need to maintain and it doesn't necessarily need to pay off in a surface level kind of way. Like it's just important that you're like alive and breathing and doing well. So I think, um, yeah, I think remembering to do things for like reasons outside of being productive or like advancing your career or something 
Um, it's important to set aside time to just like take care of yourself. And I think that's why they came up with the idea. That distinction reminds me of like an old viral t- tweet of um, this girl saying that college was so busy and so stressful that she didn't even have time to cry. Um, and I think it's so indicative of what Jay was saying, where there's a point where you're just surviving and then another point where you actually have time to process your emotions. Um, and like Kaylin said, like, it's not easy. It's work. It's self-care. You know, sometimes isn't easy and processing your emotions isn't easy. Like it, it takes energy. It takes time. Um, and, but it doesn't have to be productive. It doesn't have to mean like, oh, I got all this stuff done. It just can mean like, oh, I cried about it. I feel better. I figured out what I was feeling um, and now I can move on. And now I don't have to feel that weight on me anymore. How do we uh, within our panel uh, would like to share about like, how do we heal and deal with emotional well-being? Like how do we enforce or utilize our self-care techniques uh, to cope with everything that's happening with the grand scheme of life? In my very busy life and probably even more busy life when I go to college, I know that times will be tough to like sort of just get away to myself, especially since I'll be sharing a room with someone. And it's not like I can just cry in my room like I usually do. There's going to be someone else. It's like, what am I supposed to do? And I feel like I want to make an effort um, at least once a week to sort of go on some random adventure adventure, or like alone or like just go grab like lunch early in the morning by myself or just go somewhere like quiet, like go on a mini hike nearby since there's like a lot of hiking areas and sort of just take the time by myself to reflect on what really happened this week. And I don't know if I'd want to be like emotional, like outside in like nature or outside of my room. Cause usually I find my safe space just be in my own personal environment. But I feel like it's a change that I'm going to need to make in order to, I guess, maintain my emotional well-being. That really brought up for me a, a coping mechanism that I use sometimes. Well, I don't do it often, but I like to go for a hike on this like trail, nature trail near my house. And it kind of feels like I'm going out to the middle of the forest and meditating on a rock. And I always come back feeling so much more clear headed. I like listen to a podcast or I even like maybe call someone on the way back. And it's like a reset. I practice a lot of um, self-compassion um, in giving me space to deal with my emotions um, or um, consequences of like burnout or, you know, imposter syndrome, et cetera, et cetera, where like I may be too harsh on myself and be like, nope, um, like and rewiring and reframing, right? Um, so one of the ways that I do that is, I don't know if I've actually shared this with y'all before, um, but I can get very intense with my calendaring and blocking off scheduled times. Um, I even include like my sleeping time and my like night and like day routine, morning routines. Um, but I do that because one, it helps me do task management, but two, like, you know, like when I do have those uh, concerns with imposter syndrome or, you know, like I started getting down on myself where it's like, you definitely could have done more today. I like look at my calendar and it's like, you know what? Like I did a lot today. Like it, it wasn't as like unproductive as I thought. Um, but like, if it does get too much, I do rely on a lot on my social network um, and like, you know, like have friends to like talk with and process, help process my emotions. And if that doesn't work, I just uh, do a lot of like journaling.
<laughs> and that's been very helpful. Um, and what I mean by journaling is like, I will write down everything that I'm feeling and then go back and reread what I wrote and kind of like make edits to myself and be like, okay, but like, is that really what happened? And make commentary um, and do my own like processing from there. I have access to Jay's calendar so I can, I can attest that this is true. Uh, so for me personally, um, I just switched from working like 16 hour shifts to working more humane hours. Um, and so one huge thing I would do when I was working a lot is a lot of self, self anesthesia, which Jay described earlier. Um, I'm huge on audiobooks because I can multitask um, while being read to. <laughs> so I would just put on an audiobook and literally shut my brain off and just listen and escape. Um, so now that I have more time and I can do that, um, without having to multitask. Now I can actually do tasks like quietly and chill and on my drive home, instead of putting on an audiobook, I'll actually put on music and, you know, just have a little jam session in the car. And when I'm home, I'll get things done that I like doing, like um, finishing, redecorating my new house, um, uh, doing yard work, deep finishing my hair, like, you know, things that I used to just completely neglect before, um, or things that I used to need constant stimulus, stimulation through, like I would have to have some form of entertainment through just to shut my brain off. Now I can just do quietly. One of the main takeaways that I got from today's conversation was to sort of be unapolog unapologetically yourself in the sense that react how you want to react, like mindfully react and don't listen or tolerate any sort of disrespect in your life. Just be you, honestly. And I know it sounds like really cringe and I wouldn't always get so annoyed when people would tell me like, oh, just, you know, do you, be who you want to be and everything of the sort. It just sounded so, I guess, quote unquote hippie almost. And I sort of just would roll my eyes at it whenever someone would tell me like, do what you want, it's your life. But it's like, you know, sometimes you can't always do that because there are so many things that you're supposed to do and you sort of just feel pressure to do that. But it's important to remember to just sort of forget about that and just be, unapolog be unapologetically yourself. Like for me, don't be, for me, I wish I told my younger self, like you don't have to be quiet. You don't have to feel sorry for taking up space. We're all humans and we're meant to take up space. We're supposed to use our voice. We're supposed to stand out and do anything of the sort. I think for me, one of the thing, main things I took away from all of y'all was just um, to be considerate of yourself and your own emotions. And in doing so, you can be a more considerate person to your friends and those around you. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think my main takeaway would be your emotions are there for a reason and being able to really tune into that and understand like what they're telling you and I guess acting accordingly. At yoga camp we talked about the third eye and we did this meditation where we directed our attention to the third eye and I felt like I could literally see more and it was like the wildest thing ever because I had never done that before but I think being able to have this dialogue with your emotions that's healthy and allowing them to guide you in a healthy way I think that can allow you to do more.
And um, so it looks like that's it for today's episode. I want to thank Gisela again for joining us today. For our audience, please stay tuned as we dive into other dimensions of well-being for this season.